0: Today on Ag News Daily. We still have too much
1: and we're still not selling anything. And until that changes, you know, fundamentally, these markets just don't have a reason to rally.
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here coming to you from Chicago, bracing for a winter storm due to hit much of the Corn Belt. I'm joined by Delaney Howell, who is also in the path of this winter storm. Delaney, last I heard they were talking four to six inches there for Central Iowa.
2: I know. We've been spoiled because the last couple of days we've actually had some pretty warm weather. I mean, we were close to 60 on Saturday, Saturday. Yesterday was also a pretty nice day, so I was hoping that maybe we were away from winter weather and moving on to spring, but it appears that is not the case.
0: Well, for a lot of growers and myself and the team here at Zaner, it is going to feel very much like spring starting on Wednesday as 10,000 farmers head to San Antonio for the Commodity Classic, Delaney.
2: Yes, you are going to have quite a good time down there. You'll be bringing us some updates from what you're hearing down in San Antonio, so we are looking forward to that, Mike.
0: You bet. Listeners, if you are going down to Commodity Classic, we want to hear from you. Connect with us at uh, AgNewsDaily on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram. Let us know where you're going to be. I'll shoot you our booth. and Come on by. We'd love to get caught up on what things look like in your part of the world. So be sure to find us. I want to connect with you. If I want to be down there, I want to be, you know, talking to folks, rapping, hearing what's, uh, what's the, the happenings out there in the globe of agriculture, you know, stuff.
2: Yes, I absolutely. I was talking
0: faster than my brain was working there. I apologize.
2: <laughs> well, no worries, Mike. Let's kick it off with some news for today. We had some news that happened, I would say, later afternoon on Friday. But, of course, the USDA's Ag Outlook Forum was going on during that time last Friday. And we also know that President Trump tweeted out a very positive tweet for Farmers' looking to get some 2020 trade aid. And of course, we discussed that on Friday, but essentially President Trump tweeted that the door is definitely open for farmers to receive more trade aid during 2020. But Purdue continues to be a little more stubborn on that trade front. He said he's very supportive and glad that the president is assuring farmers that that they're ready to step in at any moment, but he said he really thinks that we won't need it and really hopes that we won't need it here in 2020. He also went on to say he didn't really give China an out, but he kind of did on the same front. He essentially told the group of folks in the audience that, of course, we've got a trade pact with the U.S. and China, and although we're not going to let them break that phase one trade pact, Because of the coronavirus, we've got to start looking at some numbers and maybe realistically, we're not going to be able to see them live up to that expectation, but not going to let them just walk away from the table that easily.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, uh, you know, we haven't heard this a lot from Secretary Purdue. He is, uh, you know, a farm boy, veterinarian, pretty plain spoken. But this was kind of a, a little bit of political doublespeak. It was, you know, like you say, China's, you know, gonna, they've got a good excuse now with this coronavirus thing. We're not going to let them take it. But, you know, if they do, yeah, then you know that's going to be the thing. And I don't know why I went into Bill Cosby right. there. I apologize for that. <laughs> but... uh I'm trying to cover your drinks, ladies. Um, I tell you what, it is. Uh, Do you get that, Delaney?
2: Yeah, that was a bad joke, Mike.
0: Cosby, little Cosby reference. Yeah. Um, anywho, um, yeah, that, that was. It was. Bizarre, I think, for me to hear Secretary Perdue talk like that, just because we haven't heard him say that very much. But I think it reflects the reality of the scenario, which is, you know, we know China's going to try to find a way to back out of its obligation for $40 billion. USDA seems to think they're going to be successful since they estimated American ag exports to China at $14 billion. And I think Secretary Perdue was just kind of reflecting that uh, reality.
2: Yeah, it just feels like he's talking out of both sides of his ears, so to speak.
0: Yeah, or mouth, which is usually yeah. a very common place for people to speak out of.
2: Isn't that a saying though? Speaking out of both sides of your ears, or is it both sides of your mouth?
0: Both sides of your mouth. Oh, if I'm not your very ears good are speaking, sayings. you've got deeper issues than uh, than speaking.
2: <laughs> I'm not very good at saying so. No, that's
0: cool. So I've got something that I think a lot of our producers will be interested to hear, particularly our beef and pork producing friends. We have been tracking for the past 18 months the explosion of fake meat products, both the plant-based variety and the cellular variety that's not yet on the market, but it was announced earlier today that Cargill is going to launch a plant-based hamburger patty and ground fake meat product in April. So really just about a month away, probably six weeks realistically from release. They say they are taking aim at Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods, and they are going to try to capture some of this market share. Um, They did say, and I thought this was a little interesting, uh, Cargo mentioned that demand for, quote, meat alternatives has soared as consumers are adding plant-based protein to their diets um but the, I'm not entirely certain that it's accurate we have certainly seen a lot more retailers adopt plant-based meat items but like Burger King has struggled selling the impossible walker tim impossible well, Whopper Tim hortons is pulling all of its impossible fake meat products from the menu I'm not sure that I think Cargill might have uh, might be entering this a little bit late I think it's going to be a niche market going forward I, I, I'm not sure it's going to have the staying power or at least the market potential that they think it's going to have
2: yeah like we said before the people that eat those products are really like five percent of the population so
0: yeah and i do think and Listers, correct me if i'm wrong i'm i'm not an impossible meats purchaser but my understanding is that beyond meat and impossible meat both sell not pre-cooked but pre-made patties that's kind of their deal. They're cornering that hamburger market. Cargill thinks they're going to take a different tack by selling effectively a ground beef option that consumers can use in, they list spaghetti sauce and tacos and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Anything you'd put ground beef in, they're saying you're going to be able to put this soy protein or pea protein-based ground fake meat product into. So maybe they're going after a different market segment is, is where Cargill thinks they're going to shine.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Well, we'll continue to watch that story. It's definitely an interesting one. But Mike, I'm glad you opened the door here to protein because we also had some big news that came out on Friday for the beef protein industry. The USDA Mm -hmm. has decided to lift its ban on Brazilian beef imports. And so we've seen some reactions from U.S. cattle ranchers and especially the National Cattlemen's Beef Association saying they're a little concerned about this. They don't think that um, the Brazilian beef is up to quality, up to stuff, but we will continue to watch that story.
0: Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning. So this is fresh beef being imported from Brazil. This was allowed about five years ago, six years ago, under the Obama administration. It continued for two or three years. And then two years ago, USDA halted it. Uh, They said they were concerned. They had ongoing concerns about Brazil's ability to segregate Mm -hmm. meat and guarantee it was foot and mouth disease free. And now they say that Brazil has instituted enough systemic changes that their concern over FMD isn't nearly as severe as it was and that's kind of what's reopening the door but as you mentioned ncba a lot of the the cattle associations u.s cattlemen and RCAF have all come out very strongly against this and they're saying you know let's take another look but brazil still has ongoing food safety concerns do we really want to be importing fresh product that could you know find its way in uh you know hitting the american beef industry even though We are building the FMD vaccine bank. Um, That discussion is ongoing. There's $19 million being rolled out right now to fund that vaccine bank. It's not yet in operation. So if FMD were to break out, I believe, and uh, listeners, if if you caught this week in agribusiness, I believe it was two weeks ago we discussed this on the program, we've got about six days worth of vaccine available. So there just isn't enough if FMD should break out in this country.
2: Yes, definitely. Good good point. Good add-up.
0: Yeah, well, I've got some additional news. I think this is not going to be news to a lot of our growing, uh, producing partners, but today is a down day in the markets. It is an ugly, ugly down day across the entire ag spectrum, basically- on concerns the coronavirus is not contained. We saw Italy, uh, cases of both infections and death spike. South Korea saw death spike. Japan has seen additional deaths and additional infections. China continues to see ongoing infections. And that really spooked the market. We had all weekend to sort of build up fear into a critical mass of market-moving sentiment. And today, it hit. And it hit not just the ag commodities, it hit the energy commodities hit oil prices hit the equity markets the dow earlier today was down a thousand points um presently we're recording here at about 130 it's down uh, just shy of just shy of 1984 points it's a big market mover and this is something that's going to uh, continue to affect prices until we get a better handle on what uh, coronavirus or covid-19 is what it's called uh we really get a feel for what this is going to look like longer term
2: yeah and uh, good thing we've got Darren Newsom coming up here in just a little bit to chat about those markets. But Mike, do you have any other news we should be aware of for today?
0: Just one other piece of news. Um, this is coming out of South America. We've continued to talk about how Brazil is going to have a massive soybean crop. Argentina's crop looks to be fairly substantial. I don't believe anybody is predicting a record out of Argentina. However, the new president of Argentina, Alberto Fernandez, is expected to announce later today a, an increase in export taxes on soybeans, whole beans, oil, and meal. And uh, No, excuse me, he's expected to announce this on March 1st, so not today, but uh, at the end of this week, or first part of next week. Uh, basically, he's going to hike the taxes 3% from 30 to 33% for all beans that are being exported, and farmers are really pushing back against this. Uh, they're really looking at, at their beans as a stockpile of wealth. They don't want to see them taxed higher just to get them out of the country because Argentina can't consume them domestically. They've got to be shipping these beans overseas. So even if Argentina ends up with a very large crop, this increase in export taxes, and I'm sure this won't be the first hike, could leave fewer Argentinian beans on the international sh- sh- uh, market, which would be uh, good news, right. possibly, for American producers.
2: Yeah, a lot of possibilities in there, though.
0: There, there are. But for certain, the taxes increasing, Argentinian growers are going to hold more beans. We just don't know how much more. Okay. Well, Delaney, I tell you what, that is my last piece of news. Should we dive into these markets?
2: We should. And folks, today is the type of day that you want to make sure you have a marketing plan in place. Give the folks over at agmarket.net a jingle. You can find them on the internet at agmarket.net. Their contact info is there. They've also got a great new app out to help you track the P&L profits, cash flow, etc. This year is uh, going to be a tough one, that's for sure. And I always tell people, Mike, you don't want to rely on having an MFP payment as part of your marketing plan.
0: Right. Just because one might come doesn't mean it will come. And it certainly doesn't mean it's going to be enough to get you back to break even to have a comfortable conversation with your lender next renewal season.
2: Absolutely.
0: Well, let's see. As Delaney mentioned, you want a marketing plan in place. 4 days like today. You want to be able to sell when you can, not when you have to, and you want to be able to buy when you can, not when you have to. Today was a good day for buyers, not a great day for sellers. Red on the screen in all the ag markets. Starting with corn, the March contract was down 4.5 cents at 3.72.5. The May, down 4.5 as well. Finished at 3.76 and a quarter. Over in soybeans, March contract down 14.75 and three cents off the lows, actually. Closed at 8.75 and three quarters. The May, down 16 cents to finish at 8 eight eighty three even. Wheat also impacted heavily today. The March contract down Chicago down fourteen and a quarter cents at five thirty six and three quarters. The May down sixteen and three quarter cents to close at five thirty five and a quarter. Livestock were not spared in this broad based sell off. We were limit down in the cattle complex. April live cattle down the daily three dollar trading limit at one fifteen twenty five. June also oh excuse me, not quite limit down. We bounced off limit at the close, finished down two dollars and ninety seven at 107 not as lucky in feeder cattle. April down four fifty. That's the trading limit in feeder cattle. The contract ended at one thirty seven sixty. The May also limit down at one thirty-eight thirty-five. Hog, surprisingly, not limit down on the day. they traded in a very tight range after gapping lower at the open. April contract closed two dollars forty cents lower at sixty-four sixty two fifty. The May down two dollars fifteen cents at 71.87 and a half. And in dairy, really the only market to escape today unscathed february contract coming to an end very shortly was unchanged on the day at 1701 the march one of the lone spite spots of green on the screen today march was up a penny class three milk at 1665 without further ado let's delve deeper into these markets and market movements and what things might look like as we go through the spring with our good friend darren Newsom.
2: Well, we are joined today by Darren Newsom of Darren Newsom Analysis as we mentioned earlier on the podcast. Darren, thanks for joining us today.
1: Wow. Oh, good to have good to be back on. Thanks for having me, Duadey.
2: Darren, it's uh, very fitting, I think, that we're having you on during today's markets because you are also <laughs> nicknamed Dr. Doom and we definitely had a gloomy and and doomy day in the market, so to speak. Was it all just due to the coronavirus or is there something else going on? I know you're more of a technical guy, so tell us your thoughts.
1: Um, well basically, I, I think the fundamentals are, are actually in play here. Technically, yes, you know particularly if we're looking at the grains, you know a lot of the, a lot of these markets look like they were, they were ready to sell off uh, and probably should have been ready to sell off uh, for quite some time. But fundamentally there's some real issues. Uh, going on right now and they're f- being fully recognized in the marketplace and you know so when you get a day like today when you know we saw what happened in in the Asian uh, equity markets overnight into, into Monday morning and all of the you know the the count was up on the coronavirus across the world not just Asia anymore and we saw the uncertainty and we saw gold skyrocketing you know the, the basically, we knew what was going to happen with the rest of the commodity sectors, and it certainly played out. Now we'll have an evening and an overnight session to think about it. uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if things don't calm down a bit uh, before we come back in Tuesday. But the bottom line is we still have too much, and we're still not selling anything. And until that changes, you know, fundamentally, these markets just don't have a reason to rally,
0: well, Darren, I want to tackle this backwards from the conversation we usually do. Usually we like to talk grains and then lead into livestock. I want to reverse it. I want to talk livestock first because, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. we have too much of stuff and we're not selling it. That's not the case mm-hmm. when we look at the cattle market nope. in particular. We do have a pile of beef out there, but we have yeah. been finding buyers predominantly domestically. We are still relatively, mm-hmm. I mean, almost entirely unaffected by this coronavirus. Yet fats and feeders were down the limit today in the front-month yep. contracts. Was this just hyperactive, oh, equities are selling, we got to sell beef? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So this and is
1: – Because of the fear. I mean, yes, yes. We, we, you know, we saw in the cattle on feed last Friday, for whoever follows those, uh, you know, another month, uh, February 1, 2% more than, than the previous year. We've been running at 2% now for, for three, two, three months. Uh, so you know, we do have supplies. We've got very good demand. But a lot of that demand is still predicated on the fact that there's all this disposable income out there. All right, so now you get a thousand a thousand point move down in the Dow, you get the you get the S and P off three to five percent, uh, and all of a sudden there's these questions about okay, what's going to happen to this disposable income if this are going to go ahead and keep buying beef? Are they going to you know continue to have the same sort of domestic demand that we've had? What about world demand? You know, everything's going to start shutting down? So. What happens is, even though we do have uh, a more bullish situation, if we look at the spreads for the cattle market, you get this you get this kind of panic selling going on on what might happen. And so you get a $1,000 move in the Dow. It's no surprise at all that both live and feeder cattle would live it down.
2: Darren, tell me a little bit more. I mean, we, we've talked about this on the podcast, but this idea that perhaps the coronavirus could send well, China into more of an economic recession as well as the globe does that concern i mean is that a concern that's looming to you right now and the concern that maybe the funds will pull out of playing the commodities markets or vice versa
1: Yes, there's a real concern copper was down today the industrial metal those are our those were our two indicators gold up thirty silver up fifteen cents i don't know where they where they closed, but copper was down early. You know, we got, we had global markets, uh, equity markets uh, just taking a beating today. Yes, there's a real concern that we're going to see this possibly lead into some sort of economic, uh, global economic situation. Uh, you see this flight to safety. And when you get a flight to safety, you get a flight out of other things. And most of the other things are the speculative markets, you know, across the rest of the the commodity sector. Now, what was interesting today is that while there was some non-commercial selling, I'm sure there was some non-commercial selling in soybeans. We also saw a great deal of commercial pressure. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see in the next CFTC report you know, exactly how much was the uh, in the soybean market, which will be through next, uh, through Tuesday. Uh, but as of the previous report, these, these traders were already short soybeans. So you almost have to wonder how much more are they willing to sell, and if that's the case, if they're the ones not really hitting the soybean market. That would mean that most of the pressure is coming from the commercial side. Why? Because we have way too many on hand and we aren't moving any, no matter what anybody says. Yeah, you know, the commercials in soybeans have been bearish since last harvest. And they're going to remain bearish simply because we have far more supplies than what's being reported and we have no demand. So the situation in soybeans still looks to be driven by the commercial side. And I'm just not sure. I mean, I'm sure we saw some non commercial selling today, but I, I don't know how much more because that group's already short.
0: Gotcha. Well, now let's. So we've hit the fundamental fact. Fundamentally, we're in a bearish scenario globally in the grain markets. We've been in this for a while. It's being mm-hmm. exacerbated by coronavirus. Looking at the charts, Darren, after mm-hmm. a day like today, and really a Friday followed by today, I mean, looking at the past week, really in particular, in the grains, let's talk corn right off the bat. What has happened to the technical picture here in this corn market? What are you targeting now for perhaps a low on old crop heading into this spring? Where's the next support level?
1: Okay. So let me pull up the old crop. I was looking at new
0: crop today, most of the day, because
1: it went to a new contract low. But if I pull up the May contract, uh, we also went to a new contract low there. Mm. Uh, But then we were able to pop back above. So, the 374, 375 there in the May corn contract was relatively, you know, it was relatively important. We popped down to a low today of 373 and a half. So again, we did go to a new contract low. I'm not convinced that we're going to go a lot lower uh, in, in, uh, in the old crop corn market. Uh, I think the fundamentally market's just far too bullish for that, which, you know, it was interesting to see that we were able to pull back and close. Uh, above that previous contract low, so I would not be surprised again just to see it stabilize. You know, if it chews lower, maybe start chewing back down towards the 370 mark. But there's really there's nothing overly significant about that except for it's just a round number. Uh, but I wouldn't look for a lot of pressure in the corn market at this time uh, because the old crop fundamentals are still so bullish, and and I and I, and I continue to think. At some point, it's going to start bringing some money into the market. Yo, so, new
0: crops. New crops. Where I wanted to go with you, and as you mentioned, yeah. new contract low. We had an ugly day today, but one of the things we are seeing is that you know when you get this kind of downside movement, calls do get a lot cheaper. Are we at a point where producers could be looking at purchasing some courage calls here in the D contract, or are we still a little too far out for that to make sense time value wise?
1: You know, it, I guess I would have to question why are we buying calls. Um, you know, if if we've got some uh, if we've got some forward contracts in place, most likely, you know, most likely the market's not going to get back up to our forward contracts. So mm-hmm. why would we be buying buying calls? I mean, if, if the only really reason that we would be buying calls at this point is if we think we're going to see a flood situation similar to what we saw last year. And you know, you and I and Delaney have all seen it. You usually don't get two years in a row exactly. A lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's cheap down here. Volatility is still low. So yeah, I think there's an opportunity if someone wants to step in and buy some courage calls, they can do that. I wouldn't spend a lot of money on them. I might go way out of the money. Uh, There's not a lot of reason for it. But I mean, if you just want to try to say, try to bet on uh, markets oversold at this point, which it is, that it might rally off its new contract low, which it might. Yeah, I mean, someone could certainly step in and take that.
2: Darren, I want to direct our attention over to the wheat markets, the Chicago wheat markets specifically. Looking at March and and some of the deferred contracts, they have been putting in some pretty good price action. We've seen, you know, price action both to the upside and to the downside, but where does wheat feel comfortable trading at? Is it trying to find its footing?
1: The cynic in me, wheat would always seem to be uh, comfortable close to zero. Uh, (laughs) But I don't (laughs) That's just, you know. Too many years of watching it. You know the, the interesting, the most interesting thing. And again, we're talking about the March Chicago contract, and and it goes into delivery here at the end of the at the end of this week. And, and I'm not really watching it all that close, but the last few weeks has seen March go into an inverse versus the May, and and it's interesting to me because the U.S. situation certainly doesn't seem bullish was actually getting more bullish with the problems in Australia possible problems in Argentina but, you know possible problems in Europe and these other places uh, so you know we did see the march go to an inverse and it actually has performed relatively well we've seen bases hold together uh, particularly in the soft red market uh, staying strong so I think there are some global issues out there that continue to you know that were continuing to support uh, the the wheat complex as a whole but you know, we get into a day like today. Traders, if I recall from the, the most recent CFTC report, were still long, uh, particularly in Kansas City and Chicago. I'd have to go back and double-check. Let you see, you get hit by liquidation today. And, and that's really what it looked like as far as new crop goes. There really isn't much of an issue. There was some widespread rains across the southern plains, hard red winter-growing area. So, you know, no surprise that the, that the new crop, uh, Kansas City, was down double digits. So where is wheat comfortable trading? wherever it can make the most people uncomfortable
0: yeah which is it's the wheat story but that's uh that's no big surprise there darren no i want to i, I no, want to before we let you go we got to talk about the soybean market um okay. it, coronavirus if we're looking at exposure of u.s ag commodities to the this new i've heard it called the tongue flu over there this coronavirus situation um when you look at that beans seem to have the most exposure of the grain we're down substantially it's an ugly chart it's an ugly market to get excited about but at the same time you know we're talking 84 85 million acres of beans this next year is that enough maybe right oh yeah
1: oh, absolutely it's enough because i mean let, let, let's look at what let's look at what the cash market's telling us right now and again this is something i'm going to be going into a great into great detail on the, on the website here this week. You know, what's what what is the cash market telling us about? And I'm not talking spreads, because I know people said there's ruffle, but let's talk about the cash market. It, it's telling us that, you know, if we compare that to history and where we fall on the correlation line between ending stocks to use and what the cash market is right now, it's telling us that not only is USDA way underestimating the three hundred And 25 or whatever the crazy number was it released last week for ending stocks for 2019 20. It might be a third of what's out there. And I mean, that's an incredible situation to me that people will actually believe that nonsense when the market's telling us something completely different. So I think we are staring at a huge ending stock situation right now. And, you know, is 84, 85 million acres going to be enough? It's probably going to be too much since we can't sell it to anybody.
2: Hmm. All right. Well, we heard it here first. You heard it here first on the Ag News Daily Podcast. No, I'm just kidding, Darren. Uh, thanks so much for <laughs> joining us today. If folks are interested in hearing more of your opinion, let them know how they can do that.
1: Easiest way is to go to our website, DarrenNewsom.com. Uh, we, we always have a seven-day free trial available. Uh, just go to the services page, sign up for that. You can get to read and hear all of my daily rantings uh, about markets. Uh, we also, I also put up a column and a lot of weekly analysis and so on, charts of the day and whatever it might be. But uh, go to darrennewson.com. Check out the check out what we have for uh, for the first. See what you like.
2: Awesome. Well, Darren, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: I really appreciate you guys having me on again this afternoon.
0: All right, well, big thanks to Darren Newsom. Always appreciate his insight, folks. Be sure to check out his newsletters. Darren is a fantastic writer. He is good at analogies and sayings. That is one of the places where Darren really excels, Delaney.
2: Absolutely, Mike. And we also excel in a couple fields, maybe not newsletters. Actually, we do. We do a pretty good newsletter as well. You can grab that on our our website, globalagnetwork.com. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Subscribe to the podcast if you're not already doing so. I know it's speaking season, so Mike and I often pick up some new folks who may be tuned in. So go ahead and hit subscribe in whatever podcasting platform you're using. And also make sure you're following us on social media. We're sharing a bunch of great content memes etc on there as well. Find us at Agnews Daily and be sure to connect with Mike this week at in San Antonio if you will be heading to Commodity Classic. I think I've got everything. Did I check it all off the list there, Mike?
0: I hope so, listeners. Shoot me a message on Twitter, shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram. I'm sure they can make it get to me somehow. If you're going to be in San Antonio, I want to talk to you. Uh, but I really do and just to pick your brain about what's happening in your part of the world. At Ag News Daily in all three places. Check us out. With that, Delaney, should we let the listeners go?
2: Let's let them go.